Hi, I'm Irwin McManus, and welcome to the Mosaic Podcast. We've been in a series called A New You, and today we're going to focus on essentials, on how to set a new standard for who you are. One of the great challenges when you become a person of faith is you have so many expectations from so many people, and you're not sure what you have to do, what you're supposed to do, and even struggling with what you want to do or what you used to do. And one of the things that you discover as you live your life is that the more you live a life of obligation, the more impossible it is to actually see that through. That's why so many times we feel frustrated and we find ourselves failing over and over again. The changes that Jesus wants to make, they come from the inside out. They're essential to who we are. They come out of our essence. So I want us to dive in together on these essentials and begin to see how God will create a new standard of who we are, not by what other people tell us, but what we feel from our deep, intrinsic core of who we want to become. Let's dive in together to a new you. Well, I want to begin by welcoming all of our campuses here. It's amazing how God has taken our small community and spread us all over the world. I want to welcome everyone in Seattle and South Pasadena and Venice Beach and Mexico City and Quito, Ecuador, and of course, in Hollywood, California. But we also have community all over the world. We know there are people in Tokyo and Berlin and Buenos Aires and in Sydney and Auckland and all over this planet. We know there are people in Iowa and in Wyoming who are also part of our community. Wherever you are in the world, we want to welcome you. We consider you a part of a mosaic. And we're so grateful that you're here with us right now. And so we want to take a moment. We want to pray together and just thank God for this day and allow God to speak to us in the deepest recesses of our soul. Let's pray together. Father, thank you so much for this incredible day and the gift we have of life, the opportunity we have to come together and to posture our hearts towards you. God, we come with so many different experiences and backgrounds and stories, and some are here, and, and in this moment, they're just full of joy and hope, and some, God, are just holding life together barely by the strength they have left. Some have been through some hard and difficult times. And, and you're the God who can meet us where we are, who knows what we need more than we even know ourselves. So God, meet us in this moment and take us where we cannot go alone. We thank you so much. We pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. Come on, let's just thank God one more time for this day. So we just began a series called The New You. And what we're really talking about is how to make the transition from wanting to be different to actually being different. Because we, we all know how many times we've said to ourselves, this is the year. This is the year I'm going to change. This is the year everything changes. This is the year where I take on new habits, new patterns. And, and, and the problem, of course, is that if it were easy to change, we would all change right away. But... The things that we need to change the most are usually the things that are most difficult for us to change. That's why they're set in patterns. So we have to kind of dig deep and ask ourselves the question, what are the, what are the changes that need to be made at the core of who I am? I always like to minimize things. Sometimes you do a lot of things to get a little done. You ever done that? I'd rather do a few things that get a lot done. So what we want to do is look at those, those critical breakpoints in our life that change us. So last week we looked at, at optics, at having new lenses for life. 
how to see life differently, see ourselves differently, see the world differently again. And if you can get a new lens, it will change everything in your life because you cannot go where you cannot see. You have to begin to see the future you want to step into, and that's how you begin to move there. And, but I, I want today to move something a little bit different. And we looked at optics last week. I want to look at essentials this week. I, I want us to talk about how do you set a new standard in your own life? How do you raise the bar or elevate the bottom so you can also change the level of your ceiling in life? Now, not what other people expect of you. How many of you have lived your life under the expectations of other people? Have you ever just felt like other people knew exactly who you should be, exactly how you should live, exactly how you should act? That's called childhood, by the way. And uh, a huge part of parenting is to tell you who you're supposed to be. But the funny thing is that as parents, we usually tell our kids to be who we're not. We're trying to fix our own personal flaws. We project them on you and we tell you how you should live your life. And, and the problem with, with obligation is that it doesn't last very long. Because when, when you're obligated, you, you, you may actually submit to what you're told, but it isn't who you are. There is a difference between submitting to a particular standard and actually integrating that standard in your essence. That's why I wanna talk about essentials because the only changes that will last are the ones that actually become you. So there's this moment in the life of Jesus with someone I think so many of you are familiar with. His name is Zacchaeus. And, and I, I really do like Zacchaeus because he's really, really short. And, and I don't know why, but so many of our staff are really short. I, I, and, uh, and I think it's a job requirement. Everyone that Mariah has ever brought on her team seems to be particularly small. <laughs> I'm not saying nerf size. I'm just saying that uh, there's, there's Zacchaeus. In Luke chapter 19, beginning in verse 1, we're told this. Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through. A man was there by the name of Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was wealthy. He wanted to see who Jesus was, but because he was short, he could not see over the crowd. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore tree to see him since Jesus was coming that way. When Zacchaeus reached the spot, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. So he came down at once and welcomed him gladly. All the people saw this and began to mutter. I love that word, mutter. It's a, we use that every day. Right? They began to mutter, he has gone to be the guest of a sinner. But Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, look, Lord, here and now I give half of my possessions to the poor. And if I have cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. Jesus said to him, today salvation has come to this house because this man too is a son of Abraham. For the son of man came to seek and to save the lost. Now, what happens so oftentimes when you have a scenario like this, when you have an encounter like this, is that you, you look at the response of the person that Jesus has met, and then you begin to apply that to everyone's life. Say, well, this is what you should do. And, and what ends up happening is we end up imitating behavior rather than, than allowing behavior to emanate out of our being. You have a moment here where Jesus is passing through. Zacchaeus hears that Jesus is coming, and he knows he's too short to see over the crowd. So you know he's industrious. You know, he's clever because he climbs a tree and prepares for Jesus to come that way. And he's in that perfect seat. 
And Luke, who's telling us the story, really doesn't say much about Zacchaeus. He just tells us enough for this particular story. What was important to know about Zacchaeus was that he was a chief tax collector and was wealthy. He wasn't just a tax collector, he was a chief tax collector. And he wasn't just a chief tax collector, he was wealthy. And what, what everyone who knows the environment at that time knows, that means that Zacchaeus was unethical. He was corrupt. He was using the Roman oppression as a way to gain wealth from his own people. He was at go-between. The Romans needed someone to collect their money. And they didn't want to chase all the Hebrews around collecting their money, so he, they would actually find a corrupt Jew given the position of tax collector, and then they would use that position to gain the wealth of the people. And in the middle of that, you could glean whatever you wanted. There wasn't really a, an exact percentage that, that the tax collector would get. You just worked it into your own system. It was an underground economy that was openly acceptable. So he wants to know he was a chief tax collector. He was, he was powerful and he was wealthy. He had taken from those who had less and created for himself great wealth on the backs of the oppression of his own people. Can you imagine the level of disdain and hatred there must have been for Zacchaeus? And so then, as he's up in that tree, and this is who he is, who he is it, Jesus sees him, and he looks up and he says, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today, which would have shocked everyone. That, that not only that Jesus saw him, but that, that Jesus would acknowledge him, but that Jesus would say, I need to stay at your house today. Which, by the way, it, it, it isn't really what we're going to focus on, but I want you to know that, that Jesus is incredibly invasive. He will invite himself into your house. He will invite himself into your space. And I think a lot of times we don't mind visiting Jesus. We just don't want Jesus to visit us. You know what I'm saying? You know, we're, we're, we're okay going to any place where, where it belongs to Jesus. So we'll go to church or we'll go to some spiritual environment. But we just want to leave Jesus there because we want to go visit Jesus where it's safe for us. But we don't really invite Jesus to go with us because we're going somewhere where probably Jesus isn't going to go. So we, we need to realize that, that this is a moment where Jesus wasn't just inviting Zacchaeus to follow him. This is a moment where Jesus was asking Zacchaeus, can I enter into your world? And he came down at once and welcomed him gladly. And when all the people saw this, it began to grumble. He has gone to be the guest of a sinner. Everyone knew who Zacchaeus was. He was not worthy of God, not worthy of acceptance, not worthy of love. And it must have confused them that Jesus, this holy man, would even give Zacchaeus the time of day. And Zacchaeus looks up. And what's, what's to me is fascinating, what motivates Zacchaeus is not a conversation with Jesus. And the reason I think this is so important, what's about to happen here, is that what motivates it? it, it Zacchaeus hears other people maligning Jesus' reputation and his name because he has invited Zacchaeus into proximity with him. So when he hears he has gone to be the guest of a sinner, Zacchaeus wasn't arguing with that. He knew exactly who he was. They're exactly right. That's exactly what Jesus just did. So he says, Lord, look, Lord. Here and now I give half of my possessions to the poor. And if I have cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. Jesus never asked him to do that. Wouldn't it be great? Well, no, actually, I don't know if it would be that great. If, if that was a part of the requirement. Okay, you can follow Jesus, but whatever you have, you have to give half of it to the poor. 
Wherever you're at right now, you might say, yeah, but I'm the poor. Can I get half? And, but wherever you're at, if you come to Jesus, you have to give half. And then if you've ever wronged anyone, you have to pay back four times what you've wronged. He was not establishing a system. And in fact, it was not even Jesus' idea, which is where I want us to go today. I cannot tell you how many times people will ask me, well, okay, if I give my life to Jesus, do I have to do this? If I give my life to Jesus, do I have to give up this? And it's almost as if we're always trying to figure out what's the least I need to do and still get proximity to Jesus and his acceptance and his love. So what I want you to realize is that Jesus asked Zacchaeus of nothing except to come to his house. The only, the only ask Jesus had was, will you invite me to your home? And what happened after that was not on Jesus. It was actually completely initiated by Zacchaeus. So if you're in a place in your life where you're still going, what does God require of me? Or what, what does God demand of me for me to be okay with him? You're not in that place where the new you is emerging. You're living out of obligation, not out of essence. So if you're going to ask the question, yeah, but what do I need to do? So have you ever had that thought? What do I need to do next to be okay with God? What, and if you're brand new in your faith, what, what, what do I need to do to be able to move forward? Well, here's my answer. <laughs> you know what to do. That, that's, to me, the most frustrating thing in the world. <laughs> See, you already know what to do. Jesus did not have to tell Zacchaeus what to do. He did not need a map to tell him what to do. He didn't have to read through the Torah to figure out what he needed to do. He wasn't going through the Ten Commandments, going, which ones have I messed up? He, he, he had an encounter with Jesus, and he knew right away what he needed to do. And if you want to step into the new you, here's the first thing you need to acknowledge. You already know what to do. And if you're asking people, it's just because you don't want to do it. You're hoping they don't tell you you need to do that. And by the way, the very thing you ask, you already know it. Why would you ask it? Well, you know, if, if I follow Jesus, do I have to? Yes! I don't even care what it is. You fill in the blank. Whatever it is that you decided was the very thing you need to talk about, that's the thing God's talking to you about. Zacchaeus was wealthy. That's the one thing Luke wanted us to know. He had taken all this money and this had defined his life. And the moment Zacchaeus heard that Jesus' reputation was being ruined because of association with him, he knew what he needed to do. He knew what to do. And I, I look back now, I, I've been following Jesus for what, 40 plus years and I didn't really need anyone telling me what to do. I knew what to do. In fact, in some ways I knew what to do so much that it was almost overwhelming at times. And, and people ask me all the time, well, why, why at Mosaic don't you talk to people about their sin? You, you need to be telling people what's wrong with them. My life experience is that I'm pretty clear. Like, it's not you don't know. And you don't need someone telling you everything you've done wrong. You just need to be listening to the little voice in your heart that tells you what you need to get right. Because you know what to do. And even if I think it's what you should do, but it's not what you know what to do, you're not going to do it anyway. And if you do it, it's not going to change you because it's just going to change me because I'm the one that wanted you to do it. It has to come from the essence of who you are. It has to be essential to your life. You have to come to a place you realize, oh, I know what to do. 
Now, for some of you, it may be a relationship in your life. You know what to do. I, I, that's, that's almost like arena number two, where people go, well, you know, I'm in a relationship. Yeah. I don't even, you, you don't have to describe it. You haven't known, let me tell you the details. I don't need to know the details. See, the moment you're bringing it to me tells me God already brought it to you. And you're just hoping that I'm not clever enough <laughs> or courageous enough to confirm what you already know. So why do you want to put it on someone else? And by the way, that's how a lot of times you, you, you become moralistic. Because you go to someone, you ask them for advice, and it's on a moral issue in your life, and you already know what to do. And so the moment they tell you that's what you should do, you blame it on them. So stop forcing other people to be moralistic in your life. You set a standard that's essential to you. You know what to do. And if you're here going, I don't know what to do. Maybe you need to be listening. Not to even people who believe in Jesus, and not even in this sense, to Jesus. Listen to the people who know you <laughs> that don't believe in Jesus, where they're telling your story and it doesn't match the story you want. Then you know what to do. And I've seen that so oftentimes in my life, you know what to do, but, but also, once you know what to do, and because you know what to do, then make it right. See, it's not that complicated. What is it right now that you know you should do? Oh, there's so many things I know I should do. It's been, it's it, it just been a, such a frustrating season for me. I know, I mean, I know, and I need to lose 15 pounds. It's just so clear to me. I, I, I want to stop wearing big clothes and, 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 and long sleeves. And I know, see, I know I, I need to lose 15 pounds. It just means, it means more treadmill and less bread rolls. And, and like, it's not that complicated. I, I could, God, you see, I could just go, Jesus, help me. He's like, I, I can't help you while you're eating that burrito. You know, it's like, it's just there's some things that, that you cannot pray into existence. You have to actually act into reality. And so once you know what to do, then make it right. Just do the right thing. He says, Lord, I, I will now give half of my possessions to the poor. And if, I love this, and if I've cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. And really, that, that, that dynamic word is probably better translated since. And since I have cheated because I have cheated people out of something. But if I've cheated anyone out of anything, if anyone is out there and says, no, you cheated me, I'm gonna make that right. See, it's beautiful because Zacchaeus is not saying, no, if I believe I cheated you, no, if you come to me and you tell me I've cheated you, I'm gonna make it right. And it's a beautiful thing, he says, I'm gonna, I'm gonna make it right, I'm gonna do the right thing. And you have to ask yourself, okay, what is it you know to do right now? So maybe that's, a, that's step one for creating a new standard, a baseline of dealing with your essence. What is it right now that you know you need to do? And then how do you make it right? How do you realign your life around what you know you need to do? Because you will not do the new thing if you don't take new steps. So what do you need to do today? And one of the things that I, I've just seen over and over again in my life, you ever notice that, that Thinking about like grand changes doesn't really help you. 
I'm going to do this. See, I, I, I'm not going to become an Olympic athlete if I can't even get on the treadmill. Like, I, I, I'm not going to make relationships right if I'm still impatient and angry with everyone. There, there are just small incremental steps you have to make to make the long scale changes that you want to see in your life. So let me just bring it down to something small. What is the smallest incremental change you could make right now that will help you become the new you? What is the smallest standard you can change in your life right now that will change everything? It's, I think sometimes hard for us to feel like we're making big changes when we're just making small decisions. But the reality is that people who make big changes, they always begin with small decisions. They just make a little adjustment. They get up just a little bit earlier, or they say a little bit later, or they just, they, they, they take on a new action in their life. And for Zacchaeus, it was, I need to make these things right. I'm going to repay First, he said, I'm going to get half my possessions to the poor. So it's almost as if he said, look, the first thing I'm going to do is I'm going to make a sweeping statement of who I am now. This is the new me. I was greedy, and now I'm generous. A new declaration of who I am. Some of you, you need to make a first step sweeping declaration of the new you. You need to make a step so dramatic that it is a declaration of an end and a beginning. Is I'm taking half my possessions and I'm giving it to the poor. Some of you, it may be, I'm going to go to every single person I've ever wronged. I'm just going to ask them for forgiveness. And you go, do I have to do everyone? No, I'm just telling you, do everyone so that you don't miss anyone. All right? And, uh, and, you know, some of you, you're just, you're just a terrible employee. Am I allowed to say that? You, you just, you always show up late. You never get, you're not ready for work. You're, and you need to make a sweeping change. See, an incremental change in that moment is not going to be visible. Zacchaeus begins by saying, I'm giving half of my possessions to the poor because he wants to do something that communicates to everyone, my life is no longer the same. There's a new standard in my life. And then it's after he's given away half, he says, and now if I've wronged anyone, I'm going to give four times what I've done. Now I'm going to start making things right in my life. Every great task I've ever conquered in my life, I had to break it down to small challenges. I've been working on, on this book, and, and it has been eating my lunch, and it's just been so difficult, and it's been over, you know, holidays and over sickness. Have, have you ever been able to list a lot of reasons why you failed? You know, I've realized that I, I'm usually preparing myself for failure when I have an inner list of all the reasons why. And I had to have a conversation yesterday with my new editor from a new publishing company, and, and, and I, I just, like, I just threw myself on the mercy of the court, and, and I, this is how I've messed up. And, and I, did, I, I wanted to give them all my, my reasons, but I just said, this is where I'm at. This is what I've done. And, and if you want to, to fire me as a writer, you can. And, uh, and uh, you know, I'll pay back all the money. And I was ready. Like, you know, whatever I need to do, I'll walk on my hands and knees to New York, Iowa, you know, and uh, whatever penance I have to go through. And, and then um, he was so gracious, he said, why don't we remove the arbitrary deadline and let's talk about how to get your best book. And I'm like, yeah, that, that'd, that'd be good. I that. <laughs> and, uh, but I had to begin with the other end of going, hey, this is on me. This is no one's responsibility but me. Whatever the consequences are, I deserve them. And, um, 
And then I, and, but I said, but this is, and so this way I've been breaking it down. It's like a, a book for me is around 50,000 words. And so I just been going, okay, I got to, I got to 1,000 words. That was like my first big break point. That's four pages, 250 words. That's a page. So every 250 words, I go, progress, progress, progress. I just turned another page, just turned the page. And, and I, got, I got to 5,000. I'm like, oh, got there, got there, 5,000. That's, that, that, and I, I do the math. That's 20, that's 20 pages. That's, you know, and, and, and each time, and, and, I, and I give myself, okay, by Thursday, I'm going to have, I'm going to get to 10,000 words. By, by, by Monday, I'm going to get to 12,000 words. And I've just been pushing myself, pushing myself. And I go, okay, by, 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 by Sunday, I'm going to get to 20,000 words. And I wasn't. I was just at 18,000 words. And I had, to, I had to speak here on Sunday. I had to write an entirely new talk. And I stayed up throughout almost the entire night. I think I, I sent my, my update with over 20,000 words to Elisa about 1 or 2 in the morning because I held myself to these time expiration deadlines saying you have to get there to be able to eventually get where you want to go. Life is a lot like writing a book. You, you never have a whole book until you write one word. And you have to put one word on top of another word and another word, then you get to put a period or a comma. But commas are really not a writer's friend. And then you have to put the second sentence and the third sentence, and you have a paragraph, then you have a page, and then you have a chapter. And I just finished five chapters, and I'm going, five, but I'm not quite halfway there. And I'm with 25,000 words, that's like, that's, that's like the break point. When I get to 25,000, go, I'm halfway there. Or I could say, oh, wow, I have to start all over again. It's another 25,000 words, but you just get closer and closer and closer. What I found in, in my own life, I found this to be true for everyone I know, if you don't break down big dreams into small goals, you will never attain them. And it's true even just in your personal life. See, it's impossible. It feels impossible. You ever feel like it's impossible to lose 20 pounds? But it's not impossible to lose one pound. I mean, even I could lose one pound, right? <laughs> you know, and, and I think, oh, and, I, it's, and there's options. Eat less, exercise more. Exercise more sounds good to me. And so I'm like, or do both. Or even here, drinking water is, 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 is really helpful. And, and then when you start adding multiple strategies to accomplish one goal, you actually begin to find that you become a new you. And, and then there's so many other things that you have to, you, have, you can't be around the same patterns you were before because you have to establish new ones in your life. And what Zacchaeus teaches us is that we know what to do. He didn't need anyone to tell him what to do. He didn't need Jesus laying out for him who he's been. He knew exactly what he needed to do, and then he began to do what was right. And then he did more than was required. Which, by the way, if you want to become a new you, you have to decide to do more than is required. It's not the same for everyone. This is where life is not fair. If you're a person who, let's say, um, struggles with, with drinking, you have an issue, maybe you're not an alcoholic, but, but you're just not able to, to drink moderately and, and you find yourself over and over again crossing that line. You know what I'm talking about? You know? See, if you're that person, you just can't go into the bar. See, the other guy who doesn't have a problem with it, they can have one drink and then they can go home and they're fine. That person can go to the bar. You can't. And, and it, 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 we try to establish these, these black and white rules going, are we allowed to go into a bar? Maybe. Maybe you are not. But someone else is. 
are you allowed to walk into that bakery? See, and, uh, right? See, some people can. Some people can walk into the bakery and they'll be okay. And, and you know, when I'm at my best, I gotta tell you, I have this like strategy. And, and my kids say, when I, when I travel the world, I walk into bakeries and I only smell. And I stay for a while and I just, and, and Kim always say, do you wanna buy something? No, 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 I just. And the people say, can I help you? I go, no, that you are helping me. <laughs> like, this is like, this is all the help I need because I, I see, I, I know, I know how to almost step in but not cross that line. And I just need that, 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 that aromatic experience, that moment. And I have a very vivid imagination, so that's all I need. It's like, I'm, I'm walking out, ah, oh, I am satisfied. You know? <laughs> but if you're, not, if you're not one of those people that know how to like tap out right before, you cannot walk into the bakery. And, and there, there's some of you, you cannot walk into conflict. Hmm, wow. Because <laughs> some people know how to mitigate their, their temper, their impatience, their conversation and they're really good at conflict resolution. And then, the, and then there's others that, that you just accelerate, you know, and, 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 and it's, it's not good for you, it's not good for the other person, and, and you need to realize that, that you in a conflict is like someone else in a bakery or someone else in, at a bar. Some of you, you, you may have other issues, like, um, you know, it, it, it might be in your relationships where you just know that they're just lines that once you cross them, you don't know how to come back across them. And you don't need anyone telling you, you know how they destroy your soul. You don't need anyone trying to moralize you, anyone else giving you rules. You just, you have to decide, what are the areas in my life that I wanna see change? And then what are the, those areas of weakness that are like my Achilles heel? And how do I push myself to an extreme at the other end so that in that area of weakness, it actually becomes my area of strength. And, um, you know, I, I think that probably when I first started working a lot and leading a lot, I was not a great encourager. And in fact, a lot of like the psychological assessments of like my personality say that I'm not, an, I'm not a person who really would like naturally encourage. And, and in fact, one of the things said that um, I can create a great sense of frustration because I think that achievements are expected. And, um, and so, you know, if you like create a planet, I will celebrate you, you know, but, but you know, if you show up at work, I'm just not the guy that's like cheering you on. Wow, you showed up all five days and you know, I'm so happy for you, you know, and, and, and early on people would say to me, hey, we, we just really like, we're, we're, we're um, suffocating for your encouragement. We're, you know, we're thirsty for some affirmation. And, and inside of me, I would go, yeah, do something spectacular and I will affirm it, you know, and give me an opportunity to do that. And, and so then I, I, I had like a transitional period where I just said, you're doing a great job. Right? You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, you're doing a great job. You're awesome. It was always really general. That way I wasn't really like, you know, nailed down those specific, you know. And, uh, and, and one day I just, I, I got the feedback. Hey, um, we love how encouraging you are, but... Uh, it, it doesn't necessarily feel genuine because you never identify anything we've done that was like really spectacular or awesome. And I'm thinking, I know, it's because I, I, I can't identify it. And I just know you're awesome, you're awesome. And I, I know you're awesome. But um, it wasn't my natural strength. And, and 
And, and so what ends up happening is that uh, there was this juice place over in East LA, and it's where I would take staff people. Now, I thought it was like awesome. I take you, we go get a hugo, you know, get some fresh, you know, sandia, you know, some melon. And we were having this great time. And then I would like talk about like where your job was, um, you know, not meeting my expectations and, you know, and, and where you're not executing at a level and a standard that, you know, um, was needed. And, and I, I felt that was a very affirming, loving, relational time because we were having juice and... and uh, <laughs> And, and, and then people started talking about, hey, did he take you, you know, for a juice? You know? <laughs> you know? and, and one day I overheard someone with a new staff person, don't go to the juice place with him. <laughs> and I, I had to be so honest. I thought it was like this warm, beautiful place where everyone would have great memories of our times together. And, and I, I realized, oh, this is like seeing like, you know, uh, a place to be avoided. And, um, and I had to learn how to identify and celebrate people in their moments of achievement. So I became an extreme on the other end. Like a lot of you who know me now know me as like, man, he's always like affirming and always encouraging. He's always looking for a way to cheerlead you. Because you see, I knew I had to, to pay back four times the amount. See, when it's an area of weakness in your life, if you want to change, you can't just change it a little bit. And the only reason you'll be tempted to just change it a little bit is that you really don't want to change it at all. So if there's an area in your life and you're saying, I'm no longer going to be this person, you have to go four times. You have to be an extremist on the other end. So like Zacchaeus, if your problem is greed, you can't just go, okay, I'll start giving 1%. See, that's just a greedy person giving 1%. You can't just go, okay, you know, we'll, we'll just see what we have left over. We'll, you know, we always say things like, oh, you know, it's, it's the price of one latte. I kind of hate that because it diminishes how generosity transforms us. And see, if you're a person who struggles with greed, or maybe you struggle with fear, and so it, it manifests itself as greed because you hold on to what you have because you don't trust God for your future. What you have to do is you have to become a four times person. And, and so whatever the area may be in your life, if it's courage, see, maybe you're a person going, I'm a fearful person and I want to be a courageous person. One thing I would say is you probably need to go overseas with Kim. <laughs> and that will like traumatize your fear, okay, <laughs> and to begin with. Because you, you have to give half of your possessions to the poor. See, if you want to make a radical change in your life to be a new you, you have to make a sweeping shift. And then you have to start making incremental choices that keep the pattern going in your life. So you have to own that you know what to do. And then you need to begin to make it right and aligning your life to what you know you need to do. And then you need to do more than is required. What would happen if all of us instead of asking what's the least I need to do, began to ask what's the most I can do. Like, and I just want to do more than is expected of me. And I think it's one of the great challenges that we could have in our lives. How can I do more? And your boss will not know what to do with you. Your, your wife, your husband will not know what to do with you. And your, your, the people in your life will not know what to do. Your friendships will get stronger because they'll know you're the kind of person who always do more than is required. By the way, that's only 
way deep, meaningful relationships ever sustain. It's the only way lifelong friendships are ever built. It's the only way marriages ever last. And it's the only way your faith will ever be vibrant and real is if you do more than is required. See, there's a new standard in essence and essential that has to take place inside of you. And it has to be internal. It cannot be someone else because it cannot be sustained by someone else's demand on your life. So I want to free you from any life of obligation. Because what we see in this moment with Zacchaeus is that obligation is not sustainable. But essence, it will last forever. And then just, by the way, just one last thought. If you're going to establish a new standard in your life, you need to not, not just do what's more, more than what's required, but you, then you, you need to establish your rep. You need to establish your reputation. I love, I, I, I love what Zacchaeus does in this moment. He establishes his reputation based on the reputation of Jesus. What would happen if you began to establish your reputation based on what people say about Jesus because of you? Now, by the way, some of you think, well, no one ever says anything bad about Jesus because of me. Do they say anything about Jesus because of you? See, that's the more important question, is, is your reputation and Jesus' reputation interconnected? Are they interwoven in such a way they cannot be separated? Because Jesus made a decision here to have his reputation be completely affected by Zacchaeus' choices. In the same way, you need to make a decision to affect Jesus' reputation by the choices you make. Here and now I give half my possessions to the poor, and if I have cheated anyone out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. Jesus said to him, today salvation has come to this house because this man too is a son of Abraham. It, to me, it's beautiful how it says Jesus is saying it to Zacchaeus, but he's really saying it to everyone who's listening who has a story about Zacchaeus. This is one of the amazing things about Jesus is Jesus is willing to destroy his reputation on your behalf. He is willing to let other people say terrible things about him because of his association with you and with me. So then we need to be as urgent and passionate to change what people are saying about Jesus because of us. And so when Zacchaeus declares this, He's not just declaring it to Jesus, he's declaring it to everyone who's thinking less about Jesus because of Jesus' association with him. And now Jesus is making this declaration to everyone, not just to Zacchaeus, but to everyone who's ever thought something about Zacchaeus. See, there's some people who will not actually want you to be new. They will not want a new you because they want to hold your old you accountable and responsible for your old life. In some ways, it's almost frustrating. If you become a new you, it means you're now free from your old you. And there are people who are still stuck in your old life. And they don't want a new you because they need you to be an old you. And, and this is one of those moments where people then get to decide which story they're going to step into. And Jesus then lets them know, for the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. So Zacchaeus is exactly who I came for. They, they were, you cannot be coming for Zacchaeus. Why in the world are you associating with him? And Jesus is now saying, no, you don't understand. This is exactly who I came for. And the way I can know this is look at his response. His response is not a response of obligation. 
He's not trying to do the right thing based on what I'm telling him. He's responding to me out of the essence of his own being because he wants to be who I created him to become. And what I found in my own life is one of the best ways of establishing my standard is if I look at my life as a reputation of Jesus. And if you can begin to ask yourself the question, one, do people even know that me and Jesus are in a relationship? That he's come to my house? That he's a part of my life? And then what then do I inspire other people to think about him? And, and I think this is where sometimes we've misunderstood how our story is supposed to play out. See, Zacchaeus didn't have to hide his past life. He didn't have to hide the mistakes he made in the past. He, 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 did, he didn't have to pretend that he wasn't who everyone said. He just owned it. And, and I know I've talked to so many people who in, in this era are so afraid of their past catching up with them. Because you can, if you tweet something in 2008, it can come back and haunt you in 2028. What you did in the past, people will want to pull it into your future. And what you have to realize is that the only power they have is if you deny who you were. But why would you deny who you were? Because the miracle is that you're not who you were. That there is a new you that has emerged in your life. Which, by the way, is what brings us all together. It's the reason that we talk about Jesus every single week. There are people who, if they knew you completely, might not choose you. And isn't that sort of a terrifying thing sometimes? You, you've had relationships, people that you loved, people that you were close to, and, but you kept things from them. Because you didn't know if they could really bear the weight of who you are fully. And, and a part of the dynamic of, of friendships is you only tell people what you want them to know and you only show them what you want them to see and, and you show them your best self so that maybe they might choose you. And, and then as the relationship progresses, you, you try to reveal a little bit more of yourself that isn't as attractive, a little bit more of yourself that's a little more broken, a little bit more of yourself that maybe um, is more weighty. And, and some of those relationships, they, they see it through. They stay with you. But some people go, yeah, I'm tapping out. But here's the beautiful thing about Jesus is that he begins the relationship by knowing everything about you. So there's nothing he will ever learn about you that will shock him. See, there's nothing that you can ever disclose to Jesus that would cause him to reject you because he already knew it. You're the only one that was hiding it. And to be known fully and to be accepted completely is the gift that Jesus gives us. So if you want to be a new you, the best place to begin is by placing you in the hands of the God who created you by crossing the line of faith and trusting Jesus with your life. So I'm going to ask you to do just for a moment in every campus across the world, everyone 
who's listening to the sound of my voice, I just want you to bow your heads right now and just close your eyes, wherever you are. And if you're watching from your home or from a restaurant or from your office, I want you just to look up at me for a moment. If this is the day that you are done being the old you and you're ready for a new you, you're ready to trust Jesus with your life and to allow him to make you a new creation, to do what only God can do in you. And I want to invite you to cross the line of faith with me right now. I want to invite you to open up your life to Jesus, to receive his life by giving your life to him. So I'm going to lead you in a simple prayer. It's just one sentence. If you're ready to cross the line of faith and give your life to Jesus, would you pray with me right now? Jesus, I give you my life. Right now, just tell him. Jesus, I give you my life. That's all. That's where it begins. It's not everything you and God will talk about. There's a lot of conversations that are coming. But it begins by giving him your life. Just tell him right now, Jesus, I give you my life. I'm going to ask all the campus pastors to come forward right now. What I'm going to ask you to do right now Wherever you are, if you just prayed this prayer, Jesus, I give you my life. If you just cross the line of faith, what I want you to do is I want you to raise your hand right now and make a declaration, this is the beginning of the new me. This is the beginning of my new life, the beginning of my new future right now. Just hold your hand up high. We're gonna pray for you right now. Wherever you are right now, raise your hand. That's a declaration. I just gave Jesus my life right now. Let's pray together. Father, I thank you for all the women and men who in this moment have crossed the line of faith, have opened up their lives to you. God, I pray that they would know that this is the beginning of new things, that this is the beginning of a new future, of new dreams, new relationships, of new hopes, of new life, because it's a new them. Pray, God, that right now you just wrap them up in your love and let them know that they belong to you that you'll never leave them or abandon them. I pray, Jesus, that you would become their greatest reality, that they would know that you are with them wherever they are, that you're going home with them, that you're going to work with them, that you are walking with them through life and you will never, never be further than a breath away. We thank you, Father, and we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. We just thank God for all those who just responded to him. So good. So good. What a great day. Guys, I want to turn it over to our campus pastors right now. We're so grateful for what God is doing in your life. And remember, there's a new you waiting to come to life. Next week, we'll pick it up from here. God bless. Thank you so much for joining us on the Mosaic Podcast. I want to encourage you to take the message you've just received, allow it to go deeply into your soul, to allow Jesus to do the deep work that only he can do. And I also want to encourage you to be a part of what we're doing here at Mosaic, to go to the Mosaic app and to become a part of the Mosaic Foundation, to become a regular giver and investor in bringing this message across the world. I want to thank you so much for being here with us. God bless you.